0: Everybody, welcome to the Gilda Show. I'm going to start this episode with a poem by Rumi or Molana in Persian that has been a favorite of mine always, but that has stood out to me especially during this time. I've spent this quarantine time going deep into meditation, reading, creating, writing, journaling, exercising. Did I say meditating? I'm doing a lot of that. And I'm falling into that thing again where I... Set the plan that I was going to do this podcast every day. And then every day I find a reason not to do it. Oh, I'm not prepared. It's late. It's early. It's the afternoon. There's still time. I'm hungry. I should eat first. I should meditate first. Let me go run first. Oh, well, now I'm sleepy. It's going to keep me awake. I'm too tired to do it. I have nothing to say. I need to review my notes. I don't have a plan. I mean, the list goes on and on and on as to why I can't sit and do this. And I'm finding that. One thing I've been able to overcome in other practices like exercise and meditation is just doing it, starting as quickly as possible. Like this morning, my exercise class, Embody by Marnie Elton, if you're interested, it's the best, went live on Zoom three days a week at 9am. And I was like, I'm in, you know, sign me up. And I love having the accountability. It's at nine every day and I get up and I do the class. And today I did the class till 10 and there was a meditation. I usually do at 10 in the morning every day that I love, but I was already sweating and I wanted, I've been wanting to go for a run and I haven't gone for a run in almost two weeks because I injured my back. And I decided the only way that this is gonna get Like, I I just, if I'm gonna run today, I have to go now. And I don't wanna do the meditation sweaty. And I don't want to get unsweaty and then go run again later. And I just, I do that all the time where I'll be like, oh, like, what should I do? And should I go now or should I go after the meditation? And then I'll like sort of be, you know, when I don't have the structure, I go back and forth and I become indecisive. And, And said today, I just said, no, I'm, what do I, I stopped, and I just thought, what do I want to do? And what I wanted to do in that moment was go running. And so I just said, okay, that's it. Then put on your shoes and go. So I put on my shoes, and I went for a run, and it was exhilarating. It was amazing. And so it's just like, the sooner I can get to being out on the pavement, the better. The sooner I can get to sitting and meditating, it's like, I will put that off. I'll like go, Oh, I need my tea. And Oh, I'm hungry. My stomach will be growling. Like just the sooner you do it, the sooner it's out of your head and in practice. So it's just like getting on with it. And tonight I realized, Oh man, the podcast has become something I've developed this resistance to not like I wasn't aware of it, but I said I was going to do it every night. Or every morning or every day in some capacity. And then topics will arise and I'll be like, oh, that's a great podcast topic. And I'll take notes now. I have this journal and I'm like, ooh, podcast topics. I need to read my journal first before I do this. But the whole point was just to sort of stream of consciousness. You know, I think the last one got like 11 plays. It's not about people listening. I don't care. I do care. I actually want people to listen and maybe learn and grow from the experiences that I'm having And I think what's unique about my experience is that I'm not like this Zen guru master teaching you how to be Zen. I was like this super angry, miserable, unhappy person 10, 15 years ago who started to seek out ways of being happier and finding happiness in forms that were deeper than money and status and reputation and external validation and I have spent years seeking and improving myself in all the ways I can through all different modalities and I want to share that with you guys that's my elevator pitch that was a good one I'm going to break that down so during this time of introspection I've been reading all kinds of books and I have this bookshelf in my living room that used to be it was filled with all these academic books from when I was a law professor and they look great. You know, they're beautiful. I have some still here. They're like beautifully bound, you know, the law books you see like in movies, it's like those and all those books I use for my dissertation. And those are the books in my living room and all of my self-development books that I've had, you know, all the four agreements and, the Pathfinder and all, I don't know, all kinds of books, uh, the Course in Miracles and Conversations with God and all kinds of books that I have that are spiritually driven or self-development or whatever were in my other bedroom and on this like back bookshelf. And I was just looking at that and I was like, that's so funny that the bookshelf that's in the living room that I look at every day from the sofa has all these books that I never use or like read and then the books that I cherish are in the middle room, and I just last week (laughs) brought out all of my cherished books and switched them, and I put them in the living room, and I started to touch these books that I love and that are spiritual and beautiful, and, and I just, it was such a beautiful experience, and I sort of organized them, and, and, in different categories and it was fun and now I have this like bookshelf that I look at that I love it's sort of like you know the tidying up Mary Kondo I have that book too by the way and I have these two books these Rumi books this one is called Rumi in the arms of the beloved translations by Jonathan Starr my brother gave me this years ago and he wrote may your path to illumination be a bright one and he was always an avid fan of poetry and Rumi and Hafez, and he gave me all these books. I mean, I was like 18 at the time, and I couldn't care less. So I was like, mm, cool. So now that I'm doing the introspection, and I was rearranging the bookshelf, and I saw these, um, and John Cabot Zinn in the Meditations mentioned a book called the, uh, sorry, a poem called the Guest House by Rumi, and so I took out these books to find. That poem, and I did. I found it and I read it, and I just started reading this book. And I think it's so beautiful that, um, you know, a lot of times we'll go. Uh, I used to go on like Pinterest to find like motivational quotes or memes, and I just think you know, Rumi is a Persian poet from like 600 years ago, and that's my own ancestry. And even if it's not your ancestry, you can find beauty in it, but. I thought it was so special to sort of go and go to the source and discover it on my own. And what is my interpretation of it? Not like, and you know, like an excerpt that someone drew from it or a different translation. So also if I'm breathing heavy, it's cause I had like a power bar and I'm so full. It's like quarantine. I like whatever I eat, N- I'm never full and then I do intermittent fasting so like my first meal today was at like three o'clock and then I just don't do it as much because I feel like I'm I'm never full okay I digress but that's the point of this is for me to digress right and I'm just gonna get cozy in my chair but I literally feel like I had this power bar at like nine thirty at night and, and now it's like I'm sweating It wasn't a power bar, it was an RX bar. I don't know if you, they're made with like egg whites, but okay. This is called, We Can See the Truth in Your Eyes. And keep in mind that in Rumi's poetry, when he talks about wine, um, it's not actually wine. It's, it symbolizes like, um... A connection to source it's getting drunk with um let me find this example um wine represents the divine love that intoxicates the soul getting drunk means losing oneself in that love the cup refers to one's body and mind so um and another point of context is Shams. Shams was uh, somebody that Rumi met and they had a close relationship with and Shamps helped Rumi Rumi was a scholar, um, you know, very educated scholar and, and teacher and and Shamps helped him sort of realize a life beyond everything he knew intellectually and helped him tap into this spiritual love and connection to source and they had this relationship like a close relationship for 18 months and he disappeared and Rumi was heartbroken and so a lot of these poems are about this heartbreak but what Shams represented to Rumi and in general is this like connection that we have to ourselves like Shams was a mirror for Rumi and it was it was kind of the way for him to return to himself. It was like his inner light he saw in Shams, and we kind of tend to do that with people that we meet in relationships, right? You know, it's like we will meet someone and we think we're in love, or we think they're our soulmates, and a lot of that is like because we feel like our best selves around them, and it's that that we crave being our best self and we think that this person is going to help us achieve that, you know, sense of like, um, pure connection, but it's really like wanting to be whole again. It's a longing that we feel for God for it's, it's not this person that's lost. It's like wanting to return to the root from which we were cut. An example is given in this book that's like a reed is cut from a reed bed and it's made into a flute. And it's the same as humans being separated from source, the beloved. And there's this Everlasting longing to be reconnected to Source. And love is really the soul of the universe. And in Sufism, God is seen everywhere, every part of creation is God, it's the reflection of God's glory. And what you can discover from Rumi's poetry is a sense of self-discovery, seeing yourself in your purest state and seeing what you can become. And that's sort of the idea when, like I said, we meet someone and we get carried away with wanting this thinking that this external source is the love but it's really showing us that we're the love and that we can connect to source and I like started this 20 minutes ago (laughs) like 13 minutes I'm like I'm gonna introduce this poem and that's why you guys are here because I ramble and I have no structure, and there's no plan, and I'm just talking, and who knows? I'm raising my vibrational frequency just by sitting here behind the mic and doing this. It feels so high today. Okay, the mic does. We can see the truth in your eyes. For ages you have come and gone, courting this delusion. For ages you have run from the pain and forfeited the ecstasy. So come, return to the root of the root of your own soul. Although you appear in earthly form, your essence is pure consciousness. You are the fearless guardian of divine light. So come, return to the root of the root of your own soul. When you lose all sense of self the bonds of a thousand chains will vanish. Lose yourself completely. Return to the root of the root of your own soul. You descended from Adam by the pure word of God, but you turned your sight to the empty show of this world. Alas, how can you be satisfied with so little? So come, return to the root of the root of your own soul. Why are you so enchanted by this world when a mine of gold lies within you? Open your eyes and come. Return to the root of the root of your own soul. You were born from the rays of God's majesty when the stars were in their perfect place. How long will you suffer from the blows of a non-existent hand? So come. Return to the root of the root of your own soul. You are a ruby encased in granite. How long will you deceive us with this outer show? Oh friend, we can see the truth in your eyes. So come, return to the root of the root of your own soul. After one moment with that glorious friend, you became loving, radiant, and ecstatic. Your eyes were sweet and full of fire. Come, return to the root of the root of your own soul. Shamsa Tabris, the king of the tavern, was handed you an eternal cup, and God in all his glory is pouring the wine. So come, drink, return to the root of the root of your own soul. Soul of all souls, life of all life, you are that. Seen and unseen, moving and unmoving, you are that. The road that leads to the city is endless. Go without head or feet and you'll always be there. What else could you be? You are that. like to applaud for that because it's just so beautiful. So anytime you're reading poetry or seeing any piece of art or anything, it's about your interpretation of it that matters. You know, we learn... How to analyze poems as part of our educational background. There's obviously, you know, um, you know, we, we have courses and curriculum dedicated just purely to this. And I'm no expert, but I just like to read, these poems and see what I can interpret from it because that's really what matters it does matter to know like sort of I gave some intro who's shops and what does love mean and what is the cup and what is drink and what are these yes of course but really what matters is what does this mean to you and for me for ages, you have come and gone courting this delusion. For me, that could mean like in this life or past lives, it's like you're constantly, you know, sort of like believing in, the, in this like non-existent reality and not really connecting to source. For ages, you've run from the pain and forfeited ecstasy. That anytime things get difficult, you avoid it with distraction. But the true ecstasy comes from going deeper into the pain, being present and feeling the pain in order to break through and then get to actual pleasure. So come return to the root of the root of your own soul. It's like going back, it's like the reed, the flute going back to the reed, the reed bed. Returning to your own soul through this connectedness to source. It's like just return home, like connect. Although you appear in earthly form, your essence is pure consciousness, that we're just, we're awareness that we are in this body but who are we even you are the fearless guardian of divine light i love that you know it's like we we're all protectors of this light in a way come return to the root of the root of your own soul When you lose all sense of self, the bonds of a thousand chains will vanish. This idea is something I'm learning a lot about in the meditations is that it's this idea of self, me, my life, my job, my money, my family, my house. This separates us. It separates us from others and it separates us from God and I'm looking through my notebook because I took a note about this idea before I even read this in the poem about me and myself. And it's when... And, and it says, the more you focus on self... the more, the further you are from people who are looking at the present as an opportunity. So in this quarantine situation, the more you're concerned about your own problems, the farther you are from connecting with people who are Maybe on the vibrational frequency that you want to be on. Maybe people who are actually doing the things, people that you would actually want to connect with. But you're too worried about yourself. So it's like, forget about, lose all sense of self. Like let go completely. And then all of these limits that are holding you back will just disappear. And it says, you descended from Adam by the pure word of God, but you turned your sight to the empty show of this world. So it's like you are a descendant of God, essentially. You're, you're, you come straight from the source and you instead became enchanted by this empty, like superficial things of this world. Alas, how can you be satisfied with so little? And that the reality is, is that is the superficial things like the house, the money, and the cars. It's so little. How can you be satisfied with that? That the true ecstasy comes from that divine connection. Why are you so enchanted by this world when a mind of mind of gold lies within you? And that it, it's like we seek to external things to make us happy when inside we have so much and we can tap into the inside. Open your eyes and come return to the root of the root of your own soul. You were born from the rays of God's majesty when the stars were in their perfect place. It's like we come from stars and, and that is comes, it's like this majestic thing that we come from that's perfect in itself How long will you suffer from the blows of a non-existent hand? And then we come from perfection and we believe we're imperfect. So we're suffering. It's like we are. It's almost like we're being beat up by someone that's not there. You are a ruby encased in granite. I love that visual of this beautiful gemstone, this precious gem being encased in granite that you can't even see it because it's just in the stone that's you know not precious it's like kitchen countertops (laughs) how long will you deceive us with this outer show it's almost like yeah you're this beautiful thing like this beautiful ruby and you're going around as a kitchen countertop like you should be on like queen elizabeth's neck and instead you're like in the kitchen in the basement or wherever the kitchen is in the palace. I don't know. <laughs> it's always like down below in those movies when they have like a kitchen, you know, in the past. I just watched um, Princess Bride. Is that it? Or um, yeah, when like Anne Hathaway becomes a princess and they like pluck her eyebrows. Um After one moment with that glorious friend, and friend is capitalized, you become loving, radiant, and ecstatic. And this could be talking about Shams, or it could be talking about the beloved, but since it's capitalized, it makes me think it's the beloved. When you connected with God, you became loving, radiant, and ecstatic. Your eyes were sweet and full of fire. It's like you had a taste of what that was like, that connection. Shams the Tabriz, the king of the tavern, has handed you an eternal cup. So he gave you this cup which would allow you to receive that divine connection. And God in all His glory is pouring the wine. So come, drink, return to the root of the root of your own soul. So you have like the tools. You have the cup, God's pouring the wine. you've connected to it before. What are you doing? soul of all souls life of all life you are that like you are it seen and unseen moving and unmoving you're that like you're it you're god the road that leads to the city and city is endless that could mean god or i don't know the heaven or whatever you want to think of it go without head or feet but it's like heaven in the now right now It's like go without your mind or your body and you'll already be there. What else could you be? You are that. It's like, yeah, you were born as God and you are God. And and so just be that. And the way to get to that is by meditating, basically, and being mindful. When you're not sitting in meditation to embody mindfulness, to be As I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm in my body talking to you. I'm not thinking about the other things I have to do. And I love Rumi was speaking to me and I was called to it at this time. And this part of the book sort of gave in this sort of intro that I liked. And it's so fascinating because I feel like we're experiencing spring even though we're quarantined at home and usually spring is a time where flowers are blooming and um, the birds and bees and butterflies are coming out and they've been really coming out in full force. And it's been raining in Los Angeles, which doesn't ever happen. And so it's so green and it's so lush. And because there's no cars, you can actually see the sky is blue and see clouds and there's no smog and that nature is really thriving thriving there is an island in the south of iran called hormuz where no cars are allowed and it's so beautiful and you know this is this is a time where i feel like we're sort of like there's no cars there's no smog and nature is thriving and i love this um section of the book it's sort of give some examples of how well, so Rumi had a lot of his um, the symbols that he uses in his poetry and themes are um, themes are based on these symbols related to nature so the nightingale represents the soul the rose is the perfect beauty of God the rose garden is paradise and the breeze is God's life giving breath And we just did a meditation with John Kabat-Zinn where you were just using your ears and you were just listening. And so you would listen to the breeze through the trees. And he also said it's like God breathing. And it's so true. It's like when you can just tune in to the sound of the wind and imagine that that's God's breath. When we hear of winter... It is a soul separated from God. When we hear of spring, it is union, resurrection. We just had Easter and rebirth. All the elements of nature that come alive in spring are the outward signs of the soul's inner awakening. So we get to see in nature what's happening inside of us. And just because you're quarantined at home doesn't mean that you can't experience What's happening outside, either looking outside, going outside for a walk or a run or going to the park or a hike. All You know, you can maintain all the rules, but still do that. The rising sun is the illumination of divine knowledge. And the warm rain is the pouring down of God's grace. So I love that. I love these um, symbols that we can see in nature. That I've always, I always feel like there's this connection. And you know, when I'm out running, I'll see like a butterfly, and I and it'll fly in front of me, and I feel like, you know, it's just like a little nod, like, hey, I see you. Keep up. (laughs) And it's really beautiful to dial in to nature, dial in to our surroundings, dial in to what's inside. And that's, I talk about sitting in stillness and I wonder if people who are listening know what that means. And it's really just, noticing like sitting sitting quietly maybe first thing in the morning you can do guided meditations you can find someone that you like online on YouTube on any apps any kind of thing i am obsessed with this john kabat zen mindfulness meditation it's on YouTube he's been up there for we're going on week 3 and we do an hour every day at 11 a.m pacific standard time and it's up there now if you want to find it from the last two weeks and you just do this mindfulness practice and you sort of sit and you notice your breath and you're not breathing extra heavy or doing anything differently with your breath you're just noticing it and you just essentially have the thoughts that come up come up and you notice them and you're aware of them and then you ask that awareness so if you have fear come up that is your awareness of fear right because if you're noticing it then you're aware of it so if you're noticing what's going on then you're not in it completely so then you have to think Who is this other person or thought that's noticing my thought? Is that me? Is that, that's my awareness? And is that awareness fearful? Is that awareness stressed out? Is that awareness lost or confused or uncertain? And it's not. Usually you'll find that, your awareness is not your the same is not having the same feelings as the, these feelings that you have come up so you can separate yourself from whatever these thoughts that are coming up and then just watch it and you're not judging it you're just watching it so you're sitting in silence in a seated posture first thing in the morning and you're just you know you're not forcing your thoughts out of the way you're just sitting there and you let the thoughts come and you let them go and you just notice them oh okay you know without judgment just noticing them just getting mindful and the purpose of that is that when things happen in our lives we're not we can't always be sitting in meditation but when things happen that we can say oh i have resistance to sitting and doing this podcast that's interesting I wonder why. Let me go sit and do it anyway. It'll, it gives me the confidence to move through those things that come up because I just stop taking them so seriously. It's like, oh, that's just a thought. Oh, I have resistance to putting on my shoes and going for a run. Huh. All right, I'm going to go anyway. Just noticing. And then you're able to just notice, oh, this is making me angry huh, oh, I got really upset and I did this stupid thing. Okay, I wonder why. But not dwelling and lingering in this state of why you did things past or, or why what you may f- find in the future, but just being in the here and the now and breathing and feeling grateful that you have lungs to breathe, that you have eyes to see, that you have ears to hear, that you have your hands and your toes and hopefully all your body parts, that you're healthy. And if you're sick, if you're paralyzed, what do you have that you can be grateful for? And switching to gratitude for the things you have to shift your entire energy. And you guys, I'm not... Talking to you as someone who is always doing this, and like, I'm obviously not living in a beachfront property on Malibu yet. I'm working through this every day myself. Last night, I got so angry at my neighbors playing this loud music that I slammed my cat's little canopy thing on the ground. Like, to be like make a point and it shattered and i was like so i got upset in a moment i just thought oh that's crazy that was like one of those times where you drink poison thinking it's gonna kill the other person That's like an old saying or we're not like we're trying to kill anybody or whatever don't kill anyone don't and don't drink poison but it's like I just instead of instead of getting super upset or reacting in any way, I was like, oh, I just did that. I guess I need to meditate more. I guess I'm not there yet. I guess I still have emotions. I guess maybe quarantine is getting to me. I should go for a run tomorrow. And then today I was like, yeah, better go on a run so you don't break stuff today. You know, and it's like, OK, and then just noticing and becoming aware and becoming self-aware and then just being able to see and then slowly going deeper into that well you become I become so self-aware that I see everything that I'm doing all the time and it's like go a level deeper who is this awareness well, who is this awareness of the thoughts is it me and if the awareness isn't fearful or scared or lost or any of these feelings then it means I'm okay And really coming into the fact that you're okay. We're all okay. Trust me. It's not coming from someone who hasn't felt the darkest nights of the soul. It's coming from someone who's been there. And I'm saying that The work is what's getting me to the other side. The work, the meditation, the spiritual practice, the practice every day. Exercise every day. Get my blood flowing every day. Wake up in the morning every day. Listen to my intuition every day. At one point, my intuition was, my body was waking up at five in the morning every day. And I would go back to sleep. And I started just to say, OK, what if I got up and I just started getting up and I came out to the living room and I meditated and I read and I did what I needed to do until I was tired. And then I said, OK, I did. It. I can go back and rest. But just listening in the moment that you get that idea, that first ping of like, I should do the podcast. I should write this article. I should read that book. I should call my mom, I should go for a walk, I should cook that bread, I should tell my husband I love him, I should call my grandma, I should help this person, I should say hi, I should smile at the stranger. Whatever your intuition is telling you in that moment, that is your wine being poured into your cup. So receive it. And also, as a side note, if I'm saying, like, God, and that's freaking you out, I mean, all I can say is just don't be freaked out. Because, like, five years ago, I didn't even really believe in God. And whenever I heard that word, it was like, yikes! And even now, it's like spirituality is, is so important to me, and I use that word when it comes up in these contexts, and I hope it doesn't scare you from trying. Really, what I want to say is, is you, I am. Go deeper into yourself, your inner wisdom, and you won't need anyone to answer your questions. You know, the seeking of questions outside of other people constantly or the news or what do people think and validation and all this stuff it's like what are people saying it's like none of it matters it's all distraction it's all noise dial in to what you're saying do you even know who you are everything is being stripped away the job the trip's The brunches, the distractions, the meetings, the fancy clothes and the fancy cart, like none of it mattered. We're all level. Who are you and what do you have to offer this world? What are you here to do? What is your gift? What are you uniquely good at and how can you use that to help people? I love you so much. Thank you for listening. Good night.